Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. I've got to be honest, this is a, a bit of a heavy message. <laughs> I was thinking, oh my goodness, it's right after Thanksgiving and we're going to get into this. Now there's a lot of hope in it. There's a lot of hope, right? Praise God for the assurance uh, that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that he's provided for us. But uh, understand hell's a real place. The lake of fire is a real place. It's not just figurative speech. Uh, it's not just uh, indicative of some place of suffering. There's no way out. It's forever. It's eternal. It's horrific. Armageddon's an actual happening. And it's horrific. So when we go through Thanksgiving and we have the opportunity to praise the Lord and thank him for all that he's done for us, as we enter now, obviously, into the Christmas season and we look to what Christmas is really all about, which is Christ who came to this earth in order to go to the cross to shed his perfect blood, the lamb, so that through believing in him we might have life and not just any kind of life but eternal life, life everlasting. We understand that we have hope and praise God for it. The question is, are we living in light of that? Do we really recognize these things are going to happen? And are we sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit as we go through life, as we go to make disciples? Are we doing that? Are we saying yes to the Lord in the midst of that? Daniel's 70th week, the seven-year tribulation period. We've been looking at that the last couple weeks. The first three and a half years, again, the opening of the seals. The lamb who's worthy to do that. Contained within those seals are the seven trumpets. Within the seventh seal is the seven trumpets along with the seven bowls. And so we have this seven-year period of time laid out right in the middle of it. We looked at it last week as the abomination of desolation spoken in Daniel and other places where the Antichrist sets himself up to be worshipped in the temple, which indicates that during that period of time there's going to be a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. The beast, the Antichrist, along with the prophet, the second beast, the worship, the false religion, the false worship, of the beast. As we get through this seven-year period of time, we begin to understand that as we even looked at uh, last week a little bit, this seventh bowl poured out. The sixth bowl, the drying up of the Euphrates River so the kings can come against Israel, this army that's going to move against Israel. The seventh bowl poured out, which is the end, the final moment. And in the midst of this, we, we have this amazing picture of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Phenomenal. King of kings, Lord of lords, coming on the white horse with all of us, by the way. I don't know if you know how to horseback ride. I have a feeling in heaven there's going to be a quick learning curve, right? <laughs> Holiday, growing up, we always, uh, she loves horses, and I did too. I, I don't know, have, have you read Black Stallion and Black Beauty and all that kind of stuff? Man, I couldn't get enough of those books. To this day, The Black Stallion is probably one of my favorite movies by uh, Walter Farley and the way they did that. Love that movie. Great, great movie. And I remember telling Holland, uh, she wanted a horse so badly. And I'd say, you're going to get one. You're going to get one. It's all good. I, 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 we don't have a place to keep it right now. Isn't that terrible? I'm sorry. It is. It's just, she got over it. She's okay. When we talk about the end times, when we talk about the end of this seven-year period of time, which is horrific, the tribulation, the great tribulation, the last three and a half years, these uh, seals, the trumpets, the bowls, the death, unimaginable. 
the lack of repentance, the lack of fear and worship of the Lamb. When we get to this point, understand something. God's justice will be accomplished. God's justice will be accomplished. And you can really see it in this particular period in four different ways. First of all, there's going to be the judgment of Satan and his false kingdom. There's the judgment of Satan and his false kingdom. Understand, there's so much economically, there's so much religiously, there's so much politically that is just flat out false. We know that Satan's the prince of the power of the air. We know that he's the ruler of this world. We know that his time is limited. We know that he is on a chain. We know that we don't need to fear him. As my father-in-law used to put it, he is defanged. What is he going to do, gum you to death? But we also know that he is our enemy. He's our enemy. And we're told to be sober because he walks around like a roaring lion seeking those who he can devour. Satan will be judged. His false kingdom, the Antichrist and the prophet, will be judged. Secondly, there's the return of Christ with the saints to rule and reign. And we're going to get into the millennium next week. We're going to get into the new heaven and the new earth the following week. Then we're going to do a wrap-up. Then we got Christmas. Amen? And so we're going to sprint through December. I don't know about you, but this year has gone faster than any year I can ever remember. It's been incredible. And uh, we're going to end the year with... Just a wonderful time of celebrating Christmas on Christmas Day at 11 o'clock, so please make note of that. Our Savior that the choir and the orchestra are going to present to us is kind of a wrap-up of the whole year. It's a story from creation to redemption and Christ being the hero throughout the entire thing. It's going to be an amazing time. We've got the children's choir, the student choir coming to participate. I think they're even going to end with the hallelujah chorus, and we're all going to get to sing too. So that's cool because I love the Hallelujah Chorus. There's the Battle of Armageddon. Folks, this is uh, not the final battle, but for this particular section, it's the final battle. It's before the millennium. It's the end of this seven-year period of time. There's the great white throne judgment of unbelievers, all unbelievers from all ages of human history coming before the Lord and being judged and I would suggest it's by their works that they're judged. So first of all, the judgment of Satan is false kingdom. In Revelation chapter 16 and verse 17, it deals with a final bowl of judgments being poured out. Jerusalem is split into three parts. The cities of the earth fall. Approximately 100-pound hailstones pummel the earth. A severe plague occurs, and Babylon is remembered before the Lord. Babylon, the actual city, as well as figuratively speaking of uh, the world's religious systems, as well as political systems, and everything that is antithetical to God. In Revelation chapter 16, verses 13 and following, it says, I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, that's Satan, out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, meaning the Antichrist and the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Now, it's a staging point where all the armies are going to gather. The Valley of Jezreel, right? The Plain of Megiddo. If you've been to Israel, you've overlooked it. It's unbelievable. 
I'll never forget the first time I was there with Gail and Reggie and the group, and I was supposed to give a devotional, and I was so overwhelmed, I didn't even know what to say. Because what was really fascinating to me was you could tell exactly where Bethlehem was, and you could tell exactly where Nazareth was from Megiddo. The very place that the Lord began and then grew up is the very place where he's going to bring it all to an end. Incredible. In Revelation 17, we have the judgment of Babylon, the harlot, the religious system. And in Revelation 18, we have the judgment of the political and economic systems of the beast and the false prophet. And then Satan, the beast, and the prophet themselves are judged. It's a triumvirate. God establishes his justice over the religious systems, over man's thinking of politics and economics. And the leaders, Satan, the beast, and the prophet, are to be judged as well. The Lord absolutely will bring them to justice. And he will bring their fruit to justice as well. He will expose it for what it is. It is false. So much of what we're seeing in our world today is the bringing together of a one-world order of thinking that somehow man is sufficient in order to meet man's problems. You can see it in commercial after commercial after commercial, and it's all wrapped in good stuff. We need to help people with technology in order to get more water, and we need to do this, and you can fill in the blank. Nothing wrong with helping people with wells and water, but the thinking behind it is that man is sufficient to fix man's problem, which is sin. And biblically, folks, that's not the case. Only Christ is able to deal with this. He brings it to judgment. Warren Wiersbe says it this way, in Revelation 17, the religious system is judged, and in Revelation 18, the political and economic system fall victim. Finally, the Lord himself returns to earth, judges Satan, the beast, and the false prophet, and then establishes his kingdom. Wow, what an amazing moment this is. We talk about the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We talk about the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder how we really view the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder what we actually really think about him. At Christmas time, we have a baby in a manger. I saw a picture this morning, and it was kind of a millennial moment, right? The three wise men were not wise men. They were dressed in kind of UPS garb, so to speak, and they were on, what are those little things? The segways coming to bring the, the presents. There's a baby in the manger. Uh, Joseph and Mary are taking a selfie. <laughs> a part of that, I kind of go, well, I don't want to be too uptight about this kind of stuff, but part of that kind of makes me really turn. Because the question is, how do we view this baby? We're coming into the season of Christmas, and we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, and we say the Lord Jesus Christ. We talk about the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. We talk about him being born in order to go to the cross, in order to shed his blood so that we might be saved. How are we saved? By believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And somehow we've diminished the Lord into this cute and little cuddly moment. Folks, if you don't get anything out of today, understand the Lord Jesus Christ will bring justice to this earth. He will put an end to sin. He will judge, judge righteously unbelief. And it is a severe 
penalty. It is a just penalty, but it is horrific. The return of Christ with the saints to rule and reign during the millennial time. We have two moments here. The Supper of the Lamb for the church in Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 8. It says, Let us rejoice and be glad. Give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And I believe this is the church. The church has been uh, raptured prior to the seven-year period of time. I believe during the seven-year period of time, uh, there's the Bema seat, there's the judgment seat, where the works of the believers will be uh, tested by fire. All our impurities are gone, praise God for that. What I'm praying for in my own life is that there's been faith and that there is the revelation of faith in the midst of the costly gold and the, the stones and, and those things which remain as being tested by that fire. I don't know about you, but I don't want to come to that moment and all of a sudden that fire hits and it's all gone. Do you? I don't want that. So the question is, how are we investing not just in this life, how are we investing for eternity? How are we saying yes to the Lord each and every day, no matter what the, the circumstance may be? How are we praising God in the difficult times like we just sang? How are we giving a testimony of God's faithfulness even when we don't understand the results? How are we saying yes to the Lord who desires to conform us to his image, who is working to that end? so that we walk by faith, so that the, at the end, when our work is tested, there will be things that honor Christ and that reveal the work that God has done within us and through us during this life. After this, the church comes with the Lord, dressed in fine linen, bright and clean. I love that. That word bright can also be translated white, white, cleansed, purified, fully sanctified, fully holy. And in the midst of it, there's this coming of the people of God with the Savior, the Lamb. Because the Lamb is now coming to bring justice. Secondly, there's the coming of Christ to earth in Revelation 19, verses 11. And following, we're invited into the Supper of the Lamb for the church, and in Revelation 19, verses 11 and following, we're coming with him. He says, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Wow. His eyes are a flame of fire. He can see through everything. He knows all the motives. Folks, when we have our own agendas, we have our own motives, do we not understand that the Lord sees right through that? Do we not understand that the Lord knows that? The picture here is one who's coming with all wisdom, who is faithful, who is true. He doesn't just have truth. He is truth. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. What he does is absolutely good all the time. 
Righteousness is just simply activity that measures up to the standard of God. Jesus Christ is God, and everything that he does always measures up to that which is holy, to that which is right, to that which is good, even in war. Because he's come to bring justice to this earth. He goes on, he says, the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean. There's the word white, meaning bright. So I think, I think part of our reward is going to be how uh, faithful we've been here and, and how that translates into uh, that which God gives to us during the millennium in order to serve him. And part of it is our, our garment. How are we reflecting the glory of God? When people look at us, they're going to see the reflection of the glory of God upon us. And I think that's what's depicted here. The linen of the saints, the righteous deeds of the saints, that which is white or bright and that which is clean. They were following him on white horses. See, I didn't make it up. <laughs> I didn't make it up. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. He's bringing judgment, folks. We're going to come with him. Verse 16, I'm sure you know this well. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Wow. See, this is the moment that seventh bowl is poured out. The river Euphrates is dried up. They begin to gather at Armageddon. These demonic forces go out and convince the kings of the world to gather their armies at Armageddon in order to come against the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the lamb himself. And he comes and we come with him. We don't have to do anything. We get to watch what he is able to to do. And he comes for justice. He comes to judge. Verse 17, we get a picture of this battle. It says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds which fly in midheaven, Come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free men and slaves and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Wow. Revelation 14.20 gives us a bit of a picture of the horrific nature of this battle. Revelation 14.20 says, The winepress was trodden outside the city and blood came out from the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. It's unthinkable. It's hard to put your mind around that. The winepress of the judgment, the wrath of God against sin and unholiness and unbelief. Folks, this is real. This is not just some Marvel movie. This is not just something that was prophesied that we can look at and say, oh boy, God really does hate sin. This is something that is going to happen. This is going to actually take place. The Lord is going to judge in righteousness. 
Well, there's the great white throne judgment of unbelievers. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, we're given this amazing picture of judgment. It says, I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. There was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to hide. All unbelievers from every age and stage of human history will be gathered. There's nowhere to go that you can be exempt from this particular moment in time. Verse 12, he says, I saw the dead, the great, and the small. It doesn't matter what your social status was. It doesn't matter what your standing and culture was. The dead, the great, and the small stand before the throne. And then he says this, the books were opened. The books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which are written in the books according to their deeds. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We get a picture of this out of Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 through 10, where Daniel's given this vision specifically about these books and this judgment moment for unbelievers. It says, I kept looking until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. These are the angels. The court sat and the books were opened. Wow. Two different things opened, right? The books and the book. We're told specifically what the book is. It's the Lamb's Book of Life. If your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life, that indicates that you never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore your name was not recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, which means you do not have eternal life because the only way to have eternal life is to believe in the Lamb, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to receive from Him the forgiveness that He's already provided. But what's amazing about this is the books are opened. And the indication here is that the books are specific to every individual. Every individual has a book where all their deeds are being recorded within it. Now, I don't know about you, but as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, having received the forgiveness that comes from the Lamb alone, I thank God that I don't have to be here at this moment because there's no way to escape this. For unbelievers, you will come before the great white throne of Jesus Christ. Period. And in that moment, it is not the Lord who will look down upon this lost soul and condemn that individual. It is the deeds of the individual that will condemn the individual. In other words, it is the sin of the individual that will condemn. Think about that. How many
many times have we heard, and some of you are from Catholic backgrounds, some of you are from all kinds of different backgrounds in terms of uh, religion. How many times have we heard that I just hope I'm good enough to make it? I just hope that when I get to those pearly gates and St. Peter meets me, that the good outweighs the bad. Folks, I want to tell you something. There ain't no way. There's no way. It's not going to happen. It is only, salvation is only in Christ alone. Because it is only Christ that could pay what was necessary for us to have eternal life. Our deeds are not sufficient. They actually condemn us. And it is only in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have forgiveness and that we have hope and that we have this promise of eternal life. We have this promise that it will be washed whiter than snow. When we talk about hell, understand it is a real place. It is a place of suffering, unimaginable suffering. He says, all the dead, all of those who were unbelievers from the sea and even Hades, all of those who are condemned, who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, who have not received forgiveness that is offered to everybody, everyone will be cast into what we think of as hell, but it's actually called the lake of fire. It's actually called the second death. Think about that. Forever and ever and ever. See, God is a just God. God is just. And he will bring justice to this earth. And he will bring justice to those who refuse to believe in him. And the payment that he made on the cross. Thank God for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, folks. Amen. Praise God for what he's done for us. I thank the Lord that no matter who we're talking about, it can be those who have passed away recently here, even at Hoffmantown. It could be my father-in-law. It could be uh, whomever. I thank God for the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, that this is not everything. This is not all that there is, that there is life after death, that we know that we can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because he extends that opportunity to us. We can believe in him, and the promise with it is that we will have eternal life, life everlasting, life with him, that all the wrath of God was poured out on the son of the cross, and therefore God is not angry with me any longer, that my sin has been paid in full to Telestai. It is finished, done, thank God. May I ask you something this morning? Do you know for sure that you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, that your sin has absolutely been paid in full by the Lamb, and that you know, that you know, that you know that you have eternal life? Not because of your works, not because of a hope or some kind of a, a thought that maybe my good will outweigh the bad, but rather because of what the Lord Jesus Christ himself has said, and you have placed your full faith and trust in him. Has that been settled today in your life? Do you know that you know that you know? Because, friend, I want to tell you something. If you reject the lamb, you will face this. And we, with broken hearts, would simply come up alongside of you and ask you to reconsider. 
because eternity is a very long time. Amen? What about those people around us, folks? What about those people around us? How are we being convicted of God? How are we following and being led by the Holy Spirit to be sensitive to the Lord's heart in this? This is the Lord's harvest. It's his work. How are we walking with him in such a way that literally every moment of every day we say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Use me in whatever way you choose. If you want me to say something, here I am. Would you please help me know exactly what you want me to say? If you want me to be quiet and it's a deed or an activity that you want me to participate in, Lord, here am I. Use me. Whatever it is that you choose to do in my life, Lord, I'm willing. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what I'm going to be thought of. I don't know what the results are going to be. I may never see the results on this side of heaven, but I trust you in it. And Lord, here's my life. Use it in whatever way you choose. How are we living in light of this truth that people who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are going to face this judgment and they are going to face an eternity absolutely separated from God in a place called the lake of fire where they will be eternally punished with no hope of reparation. It's interesting what Wearsby says in this. He says, why then will Jesus Christ consider the works good and bad of the people before the white throne? Why the books? Not only in the sense of what condemns, but why look into this? And I think he's absolutely correct in saying to determine the degree of punishment they will endure in hell. Think about that. That's an amazing thought. Are there levels of blessing? I believe so. Are there levels of judgment in hell? I believe so. Why? Because God's fair. Because he's righteous. Because he's holy. Let me give you some contrasts of these passages. There are two kingdoms presented here. Two kingdoms. There's Satan with his antichrist and the false prophet. There's Babylon, the harlot, and the kings of the earth and the followers. There's a false religious system, a false economic system, a false political system, all based on human merit, human goodness, human ability to achieve, human ability to fix a sin nature, all of it false. You contrast that with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, which we as saints, holy ones, set apart unto the Lord by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ are, praise God, a part of. The Lord conquers all and establishes his reign, which is in truth and righteousness. You have one kingdom that is absolutely false. You have another kingdom that is absolutely true. You have one leader that sets himself up in a way that would literally destroy any hope, any goodness. You have another leader who laid down his life. We begin to contrast these two kingdoms that couldn't be more different. There's two feasts 
There's the Lamb's Supper for believers, a feast for the ages. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to serve at that feast. I like shoe fly pie. How many of you had pumpkin pie? Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? Cherry pie. Holy smokes, one, one Thanksgiving my dad was cooking and he just got crazy with pies. He made like seven pies. Mincemeat pie, cherry pie, shoe fly pie, pumpkin pie, apple pie. Good grief, I don't even remember the, the pies, you know? I was like, Dad. <laughs> but it was fun. There's a feast, a celebration for the ages. But contrast this to the horrible supper of the birds of the air. Wow. Indescribable. Horrific. All of those who had taken the mark of the beast, slaughtered, and the birds invited to devour. Contrast those two feasts. And obviously, what about the rulers? Satan, the prince of the power of the air, the father of lies. In John chapter 8, verse 44, he says, You are of your father the devil. You want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer. This is Satan from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Or John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You have one ruler that does not have our best in mind. Wants to destroy us, take all the joy, take all the purpose of life completely out. But you have another ruler, the Lord Jesus Christ, who says about himself, as we finish John 10.10, 10, that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. There are so many passages on the greatness and the goodness, the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ, the way that he serves us, the way that he laid down his life for us, the perfect lamb of God who offers himself in order to pay for our sin, who offers eternal life to all, by believing in him, receiving from him what he has accomplished. He is true. He is righteous, faithful. He's loving. He's just. He's good. He is all wise. And he is above all. Above all. What a contrast. Amen? What kingdom are we a part of? What kingdom are we serving? How are we walking faithfully in the midst of the time, the season that God has given to us, this short pinpoint on this eternal journey? What is it that God's got us serving him in? How are we saying yes to him? Do we understand that these things are true? Do we understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming and will bring justice? He will judge Satan. He will judge the Antichrist. He will judge uh, the false prophet. He will judge the false religious system and Babylon, the harlot. He will judge the false political and economic systems. He will come and he will win this battle. 
fact, it says that he will win it by the sword of his mouth. The power that he is in and of himself, done. Won't even take long. It's immediate. Folks, how are we walking in light of that? How are we looking at our lives day by day, moment by moment, and saying, Lord, here's my life. Use it in whatever way you choose. Because these things are going to take place. And how are we being sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that God, as he leads us and guides us, begins to direct us and create within us a heart of compassion for people who do not know him, who have no hope, and who will face this judgment unless their name is written in the Lamb's book of life because they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. How are we walking in light of this? Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.